I walk at it in the daytime and dream it of it at night. It hold on me, it hold on me, grows, not lessens as time goes on. Therefore, I cannot carry out on a friendship, on a love affair, or even a conversation without relating it to this force which both drives and guides my life. I evaluate people, books, ideas, and actions according to how they affect the communist cause and by their attitude towards it. I have already been in jail because of my ideas, and if necessary, I am ready to go before the firing squad. Do you have that kind of commitment to the cause of Christ? You see, the cause of Christ, this book is written, the story is quoted accurately in the 1980s, I think 80s or 70s. But by 1988, world communism was shaken as the Berlin Wall was broken. You remember those of you who are a little older? So that they were fighting for a dying cause, but they were ready to die for it. Am I communicating? But for us, we have an undying cause, isn't it? Amen. Yet, check your commitment to the cause of Christ. Not the cause of your career. Not to the cause of your profession. Check and see whether you have that. Remember, these people work in industry. You can see from the story, they work in industry. But according to them, they are in industry in order to, to percolate it with the cause of communism. Are we together? The message this morning for you uh, is that, that you need to come to where you understand that you, you live in Mozaiga, not because it's an estate you chose, but because you are the witness in Mozaiga estate. And that if you realize your parish time is over, you will sell that house to go and buy another house. Because the reason you go to the next estate is so that you can start evangelism in the new estate. That you are a, you are a junior accountant in order to witness to other junior accountants. But at that one day, you are going to be promoted to your chief accountant so that you can deal with the chief accountants for the gospel. And the day they promote you to be in the boardroom, you will be a director. Not so that you are proud as a director, but because now you are able to witness to other directors. Well, that one of the reasons why you have not been promoted yet is because the work is not over. Others say, oh, you have been doing... You have been doing a job for 10 years. You are not being promoted. Go and you tell God, I don't want a promotion. Why? I have not finished the job that brought me here. That's what the communists are saying, isn't it? And the message today is that every job, did you hear? That the, the communist is my sweetheart, my life, my... Did you hear him say? So that anything that catches him, if a girl, if you're interested in a girl, she has the Afro style, which you like, and you think you would marry her. The first bit before you, I know you like Afro hairstyle, but before you propose to her, you find out that she loves your Christ. If she doesn't, you leave her like a hot potato. Now, you need to understand, <laughs> you need to understand that you evaluate anything you see for the cause of Christ. Am I communicating? That's what will tell you. I mean, the book said you become red hot for the cause of Christ, becoming other-centered. You need to understand that one of the problems that the church has not done what it was supposed to do is because we haven't quite got the commission. You know, the Bible, the Bible says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached and the end, the end will come. That before Jesus comes, he wants the gospel of the kingdom to be preached to all nations. Are we together? All of us are supposed to be witnesses. You need to understand Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And he is saying, he's telling them, don't start preaching yet. Stay in Jerusalem until I fill you with the Holy Spirit. And until you are full of the Holy Spirit, how will I know the Holy Spirit has come? You will become my witnesses. You know, a lot of people want the debate of, am I spirit-filled, am I not spirit-filled? There is one wing we were given in the book of Acts. The way they were to know, 
It's not just a question of tongues. I know Pentecostals, we emphasize tongues. But the Bible did not say tongues. What did it say? That once you are full of the Holy Spirit, like Jeremiah, the gospel will be in you. And whether you like it or not, you will give it. Why? Because you will understand that there is something in you that cannot make you comfortable until you tell it. You know, sometimes one of the things I, I like, uh, for the last 10 years or so, I've been doing a traveling job covering about 10 countries in Africa. And one of the things, every time I go to Kenya Airways and they want to ask me which seat, I tell them, no, let me make my work easier. Please choose the, choose the seat for me. Because I discovered that God intends me, if somebody comes to sit on me, he is God's provision for witnessing. We are going to a place for four hours, for three hours, for two hours. That person cannot be there for nothing. And you know, some of them you don't know how to do. I still remember, remember taking a flight from Mombasa, and I told the Kenya Airways, well, now, whichever seat. Then who does he put next to me? An Indian. Now, I started asking, exactly where will I begin? Will I start saying, you don't worship cows? And then we go to the next subject. Where, and then the trouble with the flight. In Mombasa, you actually take off, and before you are level, you are starting to come down. So you have no time to waste. And then I was tired. I had just been having series of meetings in business, and I was tired. And, but you know something in me says, you are a witness to this man. But where are you going to start? I still remember, remember the guy I was there, that he looked, she looked tired. So I started saying, my excuse, God, you don't want to mean to disturb somebody who is tired. Now, I'm still seated there. But what happened is, when we got our cup, you know, the refreshments came. That guy is like he was grabbing the juice. And he took it and dropped it. Now, within minutes, it was not there. But you know, I just had lunch with, the, with my colleagues. I, I, I just I said, would you like mine? <laughs> I said, are you serious? Want me to have it? Yes, everything. Now, the guy was so happy. That was the beginning of the discussion. <laughs> and you know, I discovered, whereas I thought he is an Indian that who doesn't know anything, he said he went to a Christian school. And he started explaining how they learned. It was much easier to witness to him than I had felt. He was God's provision for my witnessing, isn't it? So we were able to talk. Another time again, we were on a flight. And again, who is put next to me, an Indian? I said, surely. Exactly where will, where will we begin? Do you know this one I decided that it's too short, the story will be too long. By the time we reach Nairobi, you'll not even have known the difference between a cow and God. Now, so, do not, so as I was seated, I started reading a book. On my own, I was reading a book. And uh, now, now, you know, I really don't want to disturb him. He can't disturb me, so I'm reading a book. But the Indian guy looked over the shoulders to see what I was reading. The title of the book was, by Bodwick, Building, Building Blocks for Mission. Uh, I know Callisto knows the book. Building Blocks for Mission. As the guy is looking over, he said, you are in construction. <laughs> because, you see, when he sees building blocks and he's a contractor, he thought we are in the same trade. He wanted us to discuss and that was my opportunity to explain, I don't build with the stones, I build with the spirit. And for the rest of the journey, I was able to share for it. You know, you need to understand in as long as you're available, God will use you. Am I communicating? And you need to understand that a pastor like Pastor Ken can never get those opportunities. For 90% of the time, he's just with the Christians. One problem from another, but from Christians. For you, <laughs> but for you... You don't have to struggle to look for non-Christians. They are with you more than you want. Am I communicating? Yeah. You need to understand that if the church is going to grow through these pastors, it will never grow. But if it is to be done by us sitting in the pews now, we have no difficulty. You know, what I'm saying is, the book of Acts is saying, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will become my 
witnesses. And you must be involved. You can be involved in three ways. Going out to witness, like I'm emphasizing. But also in the issue of supporting the goers. Are we together? But you need to understand that you also need to be involved in prayer. Like I told the first service, that witnessing is sharing Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that to go to share with someone without, without the power of the Spirit, all you do, you are convinced. Nobody has ever gotten saved through convincing. They only get saved because of convicting. A man can convince, on the Holy Spirit can convict. And that's why it is important to be involved in it. But you know the trouble is, when you are seated here, some of us are likely to say, we are involved in the ministry. Why? We support by giving. I'm here to tell you that it is not an option. In other words, there are some who go and others who give. All must go and all must give. Let me ask you the question. Going, I told you, is not going to Garissa. It is going to the Kikuyu next to you. Am I communicating? So how can you say you cannot go unless you refuse? You can go. But in number two, you also are earning a salary, isn't it? So it is critical for you to understand that the way to know you are committed to the cause, not of communism, but of Christ. How much of your money goes not to service the church, but to reach out to the lost? And you need to be asking in your salary, in your budget, how much of the money can actually go to reach people who do not know Christ? So you need to support. And obviously there are people who have more time than others. So that's why you are going to give to God yourself, but in addition you will give money so that others who have the time to go but don't have the ticket can go. Are we together? And then finally, prayer is not for a certain group. All of us are aware that those who are involved in evangelism can never achieve unless the Holy Spirit is with them. Why do we have few of us then involved in evangelism? From the way I'm putting it, all of us who are Christians should be involved in evangelism. Why do we have so few of us involved? You know, I have written in my, in my, in my book, A Leader Source of Inference, which, uh, which is available here in Wexter Bookshop, that the first critical thing, which is my last point on this card, is that people have no live mission statement. Where the, the organization have a mission vision statement. Almost all organization has a mission statement, isn't it? You as a person needs to find out why were you created? Why were you born again? Once you answer that question, there will be something that tells you that you are supposed to be achieving something. And you need to understand, a lot of people, if they ask, what is your mission? To be an accountant. That's not a mission. That is a job. Am I communicating? So you need, and you know, you say, like you can say, what is your mission? To be a district commissioner in, 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 in Garissa district. That's not a mission. You need to understand your mission is something you can do for all the 80, 90 years you are alive. But most of the jobs, when you are six, they will fire you, isn't it? Now, so you need to ask yourself, can my job be my mission? Your job is not your mission. It's important to understand your mission is bigger. But your job is used as a way of fulfilling your mission. And when you leave that job and you go to the next, you will still be carrying your mission. And when you retire, you will still continue carrying your mission. The way you stop doing your mission is when this Jesus appears to you. Remember the Bible says to be absent in the body, to be present. So when we miss you in the body and we just bury it, we will know that at the end of your life as an evangelist. Are we together? And it's very important for you to understand that. So my encouragement, because I don't have the time this morning, is read the chapter on discovering your mission. Because once you discover your mission, you will start seeing your job as the basis of your mission, isn't it? You will start seeing your workplace as a parish. Am I communicating? So that, so that you start saying, why has the Lord opened this job for me? 
And immediately you'll know that it's because he wants to open. I still remember coming out of the university in the, in, in the 70s. And I got employed by, in, a development, in a development bank. And one of the things I wanted when I came out of campus, I was doing a business degree, was that the Lord, I knew what I'm preaching now is what was true in 1976-77. I knew that any job God will give me, it is going to be the vehicle for ministry. And I pictured myself, for example, becoming, uh, those days when you left university, you became a district something. You become a district agricultural district something. Now, so I knew that once you became a district something, you were given a government land rover. And I started picturing how I should not get a job in Nairobi, one of those far-flung districts where the church does not have to support me. The government will pay the salary. I'll do the government job for eight hours required. But that day has 24 hours. There are still 16 hours remaining, isn't it? And what I do the 16 hours, that's between me and myself, isn't it? After I have done the eight hours of the government, as a, as a faithful Christian, I'll make sure I do a good job in the eight hours. What I do in the 16 hours is my responsibility. Most of the district somethings are drinking for that time, isn't it? Am I communicating? And so I, stood, I started saying, what I want is, give me a job. I've, unfortunately, I've also, I'd also agreed with God that uh, the first job to get, I'll stay there until I have quotable experience. That means I don't go for two months. You can, if, if you go for a place two months, two months, you actually don't even want to employ the employer you ever stayed. But I wanted to stay there long enough. Now, what happened is I got employed in Nairobi in a development bank. And I asked myself, surely, where is the land rover God? <laughs> you understand? I had wanted to go, but I, since, and I actually got an appointment in the bank one week, the following week, I got my appointment to be a, a district cooperative officer somewhere. But I told God I'm keeping to my earlier promise. Did I know I didn't have to go out into a district? Working in a Robin Development Bank, I discovered the people who need to be reached were there. I didn't have to have gone there. Within no time, I asked myself, how do you reach them? You know, you, you, you are, we came a number of us, fresh graduates, engineers, economists, uh, business graduates. We were all in the bank who went at the same time. We are being orientated. And of course, they, from the, the university, when we left the CU, they used to call out the elders. Now they used to talk about, where are the young people who joined us? I was a project officer. <laughs> now it was quite a change. But within no time, the Lord started whispering to me. It was important to establish some beachhead, you know, begin a fellowship that will become the identification. So when the people want to be helped for Christ, they will begin. So uh, by 1978, I finally began a fellowship uh, for those whom I could draw. Obviously, the people who ended up turning up is Mama Chai, and the messengers were the first people to come. <laughs> but it was a beginning. And so we started in that 1978, we started a fellowship. But uh, after two working there for about two years, I finally moved to a multinational. And now these were Wazungus. I didn't know exactly how is it that I'm going to place this as a, as a parish. How do I reach this parish? And it was very difficult to know exactly what to do. That's when I discovered that the company had a film library. And once in a while, they would show, uh, in a general company, they would show during lunch hour some films. And they would see about exploration, things about oil. People would use their lunch hour like that. That's when I finally went to the guy who was in charge in our public relations department and said, if I brought a different film, would you show it? Initially, he said no. I said, but if the people are interested and you want to help to entertain them, why can't you show them? He said no, no, until one day he said yes. I, I, learned, I ran to NCCK Film Library, where they used to have Christian films, and borrowed at my cost, and I came and showed it. The first time people saw it, I think it was even in the night, those of you who may have seen the, seen the film, they were so interested, the guy now started asking every month, it was my job to. After several, after, after quite a long time, the manager started feeling embarrassed. 
How come you as an individual are financing a company activity? From now onwards, I have a budget I'll be paying. So the company started paying. My job was just to get the, fum the fumes into the, into the place. And so finally, in 1984, something happened and we realized the best thing would be to start a fellowship. And last Wednesday, it was my privilege to have a, a farewell party from our fellowship that has been running from 1984 to date. I joined it as, a, as, as, as junior as I was in the company when I joined it. I was still the senior most person in the fellowship. And of course, over time, I moved on until I was in the top management. Of course, people thought by the time I reached the top management, I will no longer be there for lunch. I was telling them this Wednesday. If you see managing directors, or even damaging ones, not attending the fellowship, <laughs> not attending fellowship, it has nothing to do with being busy. Everybody is busy, isn't it? The reason they don't want to appear for their organization's lunch or fellowship is because it's below their dignity. You know, a lot of the people are junior, mama chai, whatever. If a, if a whole um, top leadership person is in the fellowship, how, how would they be seen? But you see, when you appear there, that's a testimony, isn't it? And that's what the testimony you're afraid of giving, isn't it? That's why you can never appear there. And most of us who are sitting in this church never appear in their lunch hour fellowship or their money fellowship. Reason they are busy. The truth is they go eating. Are you telling me that managing director's hunger is bigger than the messengers? You need to understand that he even has less hunger because he ate a square meal at night. This guy only ate a little what the wife could afford, but he is willing to go for fellowship. Am I communicating? The truth is you do not see yourself as an evangelist in your company. When you start seeing it, you want to establish something. Now, I don't have the, all the time, but I want to say that opportunities for ministry, it has to be something you see yourself as focused, that you are in that place for a reason. And I'm not suggesting that you use your company time, because that is stealing, isn't it? And not even will be in heaven, isn't it? So you don't use your employer's time to preach, but you need to be aware that by being there, there are many breaks, there are many lunch hours that are all available. One of the things I, I started when company paid for me to join Nairobi Club, I say, but most people go there to drink. I don't drink. What did I do? A friend of mine said, that's a good way. If you invite somebody to Nairobi Club, they're unlikely to refuse. So I just know a guy who is a managing director who used to be in the campus. I said, can we meet Nairobi Club? It's an innocent place. He appears. Now, if I'm the one paying the meal, and in Nairobi Club, you're not allowed to pay. Only somebody can sign. So the guy can't pay. It's me to pay. You are my mabusu for one hour. <laughs> During the lunch hour. And if you are here and I have taken you out, you will forgive me for using it as an example. But during the lunch hour, I now can tell you what has been happening to me from the days we left university, isn't it? Within one hour, I have told you about the Lord, isn't it? And I discovered that if you want, and it's the same thing my, my senior colleagues, I'm able to say, can we go out for lunch? Yes. Once you are in lunch and I'm the one paying, chochote, chaweza kutokea. Now you... <laughs> the sort of opportunities are available. And people who are in the church can never get that opportunity, because if you try to, if a pastor tries to invite that guy, to, he'll know, I kuna agenda, isn't it? <laughs> but when it is just an, a manager, another manager inviting, there is no agenda, isn't it? And of course, we begin very nicely. We begin by talking about business. We begin about, and then I show you how business can be done better when the Lord is king. And you go on in that way. What I'm trying to say is that it's very important that you start understanding that you, once you know what your mission in life is, that mission will drive how you do your job. So that your job is your mission field. Are we together? Your business is your mission field. When you begin a hair saloon, ask yourself why that hair saloon. Of course, in the process, people have better hair, isn't it? But you'll show them there is better hair in heaven. Am I, am I communicating? <laughs> so that your, your business is your mission. Is no, you don't have, and a lot of people sit here, think that they want to serve the Lord. What do they want to do? Resign 
Stop their business in order to serve the Lord. Foolishness. And the devil is aware about that foolishness. Because if all of us resigned our jobs to come to work in Valley Road, will there be any witness? So that the idea that, that I had the call, so I came to work in the church. What were you doing earlier? Disobedient. It's very important to understand that you should never take a job unless you can say this job, I have had a call of God. So that if you are getting two opportunities to work, pray, God, where are you calling? Me. The job you finally sign for may not have as high salary as the other one, but you know when you reach there, it's your mission. Are we together? So that anybody seated here who is doing a job they have not been called, please resign in the evening. I'm giving you the afternoon to pray. Now, it's very important that in the evening, send the email telling them tomorrow morning you are not going to end up in that job. Because nobody who is born again should be doing a job they cannot say, I have a call. Christians must feel their call. So whether you are a sweeper, you must sweep for Christ. Am I communicating? Because you have had a call into sweeping. So when you sweep, you don't just sweep the dust. You also sweep the devils. It's very important to understand. <laughs> you need to understand that you are doing it. When you become an accountant, it's not just numbers you are counting. The people, there are people behind the numbers. Are we together? It's very important that you start doing jobs where you can say, I have had a call. The idea of resigning your job to hear a call is a contradiction. Because anytime a Christian does a job, it must be a call. And that's what we are really saying. You know, I think the real problem, I'm still answering the question, why do we have so few of us involved in evangelism? Never forget, this story I have told it many, many times. Never forget going for, after I left university and I was asked to become an assistant mission, missioner in a mission to Kenyatta University. That's 1978. So what was happening is there would be a main missioner, we go to the main hall, he speaks, and then we divide up into groups, and people would end up, you know, you, one assistant missioner would end up in one of the halls. And I remember us arriving in the hall, and uh, of course they had provided tea and what the students called yam yams, eatables. So even non-Christians who never came to the hall also came for the tea. So we had quite a, the non-Christians were more than the Christians. And uh, as I was saying now, I was introducing and to say that we are going to be having a discussion. You can ask any questions about one non-Christian put up his hand, even before we are settled. Says, I want to talk. Now I said, okay, you talk. He says, you know, you people do not believe in hell. When that was very provocative to tell Christians they don't believe in hell. So then my, non my Christian uh, uh, students were dying to interfere. I said, no, no, no. Just give him time to talk. And he explained. I'm actually not joking. I live in my room with a Christian roommate. And I know he is a serious Christian. But there's something else I also know. He loves me. We are great pals. We are friends. I want to tell you something. We have been together for a year. This is our second year. If my friend believed I was going to hell any time, he would have certainly told me to get saved. The fact that he has not told me tells you even he himself does not believe in hell. I've just come for holidays, from holidays and I was staying with my mother. My mother is born again. We had a wonderful three weeks. That lady loves me. And even what he gave me on my way back to Nairobi can tell you that I, my mother and me are friends. But you know, for the three weeks I was there, she never told me to get saved. Now surely... If my mother believed that her son is going to hell, would you have spent three weeks without her thing telling me to be saved? Tell me. Do Christians here believe in hell? Now, you know, by that time, my, my Christian students were all quiet. Nobody was willing to answer. I looked at them, not a single one of them was willing to talk. So unfortunately, I was the leader. I still had to talk. 
Let me ask you something without going on with the story. Do you really believe there is hell? I don't believe that most Christians believe in hell. Because there is no way you believe in hell and you love the person and you believe. You know, let me give you an example. Let's assume, I know we love our president. Or oh, is it the prime minister? Now, irrespective of, <laughs> irrespective of who, who you love, it's very important to understand that you are just coming from a place, you are, nobody knows you, you are just a, a shepherd boy, then, you, you, the, then they are driving, coming, but you have just come from taking your cows to the river, and you have discovered the bridge has been washed away. But they are coming at presidential speed. You get the idea. Now, what would you do? Allow them to continue and go into the river, or what would you do? I want to tell you something. If you love your president or your prime minister, you will stop on the road and look like a madman. Jumping, jumping. Now, until they stop to deal with the madman. Are we together? Now, when you stop, you finally tell them, I'm not mad. There is no bridge. If you go on, you are going to die. You're going to hell. Now, <laughs> it's important to understand. In the same way, I know you value your father. You respect your father, isn't it? If you know you are, you are, that I'm talking about your mother's husband. Now, if you, really, <laughs> if you really love the man, I know you respect him. Would you allow him to go to hell? If you really believe there is hell and your father is a candidate there, every time you go for Ingo, one of the things you will do is that you, tell the, you are going to tell, your, you're going to tell your, your father, Father, you are getting older. I do not want to take a dead body to church. I want you to know the Lord. And you not just tell him slowly, you will plead with him. You will even be crying physical tears. The same thing with your boss. I know he can determine your upward mobility. You will get that to understand what the upward mobility is. But you know he is going to hell. Would you allow yourself to continue working in that company? And the boss who has done so much for you does not know he is going to hell. Would you? The truth of the matter is, the answer to why so few of us are involved in vagarism is that we do not see the urgency. Something in our lives has eaten or, or there's an erosion of the sense of urgency and it is lack of conviction. Are we together? My prayer is that if nothing else will go, my time is up. That out of this, you Acts chapter 1 verse 8 will become your verse. Where you will discover that you, if you have waited, you are Pentecostal church, you will be waited for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. That the way to know the Spirit is in you is that you will give you some discomfort. Like I'm talking about seated next to somebody and I feel like really I can't share with him. But I'm so uncomfortable. If I want comfort, I must tell him. You know somebody wanted to congratulate Paul and he says, Paul, in, before you congratulate him, he said, woe unto me if I don't preach the gospel. In other words, Paul was saying, he does not preach the gospel willingly. He has no alternative. Woe unto me if I don't preach the Jeremiah says, it's not me who wants to talk. The, the word of God is like fire in my bones. I try to resist, I can't. How come you can resist it? You live with men and Christians and you are comfortable talking about ODM and PNU and PNT. Now, it's very important <laughs> that there's nothing in you that makes you feel uncomfortable. I'm not suggesting you enjoy witnessing. I'm saying there is something in you that will cause you to witness if the spirit is in you. Let us pray. I just want to give you a moment of prayer for yourself, a moment of meditation. What is the Lord telling you as a Christian? Do your neighbors know the Lord? 
Do your business colleagues know the Lord? Do your bosses know the Lord? Do your relatives, your clansmen know the Lord? What have you done with opportunities God has given you? You know, the good thing is that he is a forgiving God. All he is willing is that if you, are, if you accept that something has been wrong in your Christian life, in the area of witnessing, he is going to forgive you. But then he will fill you with your spirit and make you a witness for the rest of your life. Is there somebody saying, Brother Nga, pray with me. I truly want God's forgiveness. I want a commissioning that will make me different so that witnessing will be my lifestyle. I'm not going to witness during a special month, but all my life, whatever job I do, whatever activity I have, I'll see activities as opportunities for witnessing. Lord, come and help me. Is there somebody praying a prayer like that? Forgive me for my past. I'm committing myself. Put up your hand so that I know there is somebody I'm praying with. The Lord bless you. 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 Put the hands down. Is there somebody else? Don't put up a second time. Is there somebody saying, Brother Nganga, even me, I need God's help. I need his forgiveness. I want his commissioning. I want his anointing so that I can have an influence in my neighborhood, in my, in my family, in my place of work, in my business. I want to change. I want to change. Brother Nganga, pray with me. Anybody else? Don't put up a second time. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Up there, thank you. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Put the hands down. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Anybody else? I just want to ask Pastor Ken to just come and commit us into God's hands that he may truly change us and help us to be different.